Welcome, dreamers, to Katie Keencast, the podcast all about Katie Keen. Whether you're dreaming of going outside or you're dreaming of just chilling out inside, I'm Alex. So much more time to dream in New York City because there's nothing worth opening your eyes for. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Chapter 7 of Katie Keen, Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Yes. Now, this is this is kind of a surprise, actually, to me, because this was the first musical episode of Katie Keene, and I was surprised because I thought every episode of Katie Keene was a musical episode, uh, but it turns out, no. No. No, that's not the case. But yeah. honestly, this didn't feel like there was that much more music. So. Right. I, I think, I mean, the way that I take it is, like, it was... Beyond the stage stuff, it was people singing outside of the stage stuff and doing musical numbers outside of the stage stuff. So that was the difference. Like, we've talked about how this show does a very good job of integrating the musical numbers into the moments, making it feel like a musical, but a very natural musical. Uh, This was a very unnatural musical. (laughs) Yeah, it felt very forced. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, taking it a step forward. There you go, Pete. Wow. Uh, I want to talk a little more about that. Well, it's just uh, I've <laughs> loved the show as yeah, far wait, as can like, we give a little bit of a setting? Uh, Pete is in Philly right now. He's full of calzones and he's raring to go. So hit yes. us up. Yeah, you yeah. got that carb hot. heat. Bring in oh. the extra extra starchy opinions for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel like I don't know why you're, you guys are so weird about calzones. But anyways, um, it's a it's no, an abomination. They're abominations. <laughs> I Eat a piece of pizza, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone balled up for pizza and turned into a bowling ball of cheese and dough. First off, fuck you, all right? If you had <laughs> these calzones, you would know how good they are and how wrong you are being right now. Wait, I heard they... that calzones, calzones are made when a pizza delivery guy falls <laughs> off his bike and he brings the mess <laughs> to a calzone place. They're like, sure, we'll sell this to some sucker. And that sucker is Peter J. LePage. <laughs> they were actually invented by a guy named Cal who was delivering some pizza. And he was like, calzone! Welcome to the calzone! I made a mess of your pizza! Yes. Well, anyway, yes. So uh, this is based on Kiss of the Spider-Woman. We are going to get into the plot of it. I did want to, because we're also recording this over video, we're doing it on two platforms on Crowdcast and on YouTube. Obviously, if you're listening to the audio podcast, this isn't going to work for you for all. But I I brought a visual aid for you guys that I wanted to show off here. Uh, You're really using the camera. Yeah. So this. Wait, what? This black book over here. Not very exciting. So far, not very visual. No, but this is actually my book of playbills that I kept from when I was a kid. And one of them, I went back and searched. (laughs) This is my playbill for Kiss of the Spider Woman. Wow. uh, You actually have a book of playbills. I have a book of playbills. I was a big theater nerd growing up. Wow. Yes. Uh, but, and some of them even have tickets in them and everything. Uh, this one didn't have a ticket, but there was the, the Broadway production with Maria Conchita Alonso. That's starring. what they were talking about in the episode. There you go. Wait, I saw play, it. Those are Playbills or Playboys? I Sorry, I missed. Uh, I don't know. What, I mean, what I do you collect? the same way. <laughs> oh. You know what I'm talking about? Shout oh. to Aaron for that joke. She said it first. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, but I, I actually I saw the production as a kid, and I I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I mean, oh. I think every I vaguely you put it in your little be, precious uh, book, though. Yeah, did you, rate it, did you rate it in the playbill? That were you like? No, I don't C+. rate it in the playbill. I mean, I'll say the the first thing in my playbill book, which I was like, "What the fuck is this?" was uh, taking sides with a young Ed Harris. Nice, great show. Uh, yeah, other things I have in there: uh, sex and longing. There you oh, go. How I old you, were you I when you, you saw that? I bet you I had was, a lot of I that. Was five. <laughs> I bet you had a lot of longing. Wait, I'm gonna uh, see if there's anything else good. Oh, here's uh, original Phantom. There wow. you go. Wow, a lot of stuff going on there. Uh, anyway, yeah, Case of the Spider-Man, not my favorite. I have really wait, been wait, enjoying. Wait, do you Katie. have cats in there? Uh, I went to see cats, and I was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" I, I saw. I was in you the didn't balcony. Save the playbill. I might. I'm not going to flip through every playbill on our audio. Well, you podcast. started to. You've yeah. done many of them already. Yeah, sure. I want to know if you there's one a, saw cats. Holy crap! Yeah, there's a bunch. What of them years there. was the range on this playbill here? Uh, great question. As you know, 1960 to 1971. <laughs> it was. Why well, I saw the original production of Guys and Dolls, and I have that <laughs> idea too. Back then, it was uh, just guys. They added the dolls <laughs> later. Yeah, not as good, in my opinion. Anyway, uh, Kiss of the Spider Woman, not my favorite musical. Katie Keene, I've really been enjoying a lot, but I was a little nervous about seeing this just because it was using the show that uh, I'm not totally psyched about. And I understand a lot of people liked it. I understand uh, that clearly in the show, the characters like it. Um, yeah, but really, the it. only song that I remembered which they did sing was a kiss of the spider woman. And that was it. Yeah. It definitely feels like a goofier musical, but having, I don't know anything about that, the musical, but I think it really worked in the episode because Mm -hmm. it was just Jorge had to love it and it had to affect Katie. And I think both of those things definitely happened. Yeah. But think about all the, uh, Scenes with spiders in them, too. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense to use this musical. Mm -hmm. Because there were spiders Mm -hmm. on the walls. Like, Katie was attacked by a spider at one point. Well, that was... uh, When you went to see the original Broadway production, they would release a jar of spiders into the theater midway through the second act. And that was kind of like the fun surprise. You just Classic Broadway. Yeah, just crawling as spiders. Should we get into the recap of what's happened so far and then talk through the episode? What, what do you sure, guys yeah, think? Sure, yeah, let's get past the boring part. Good Honestly, idea. I have oh, no okay. idea. I have no idea about anything anymore, so sure, let's go along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of all thrown out the window already. Yeah, yep. I don't know. We could just uh, sit here and talk, and I'd be like, was this thing on? I don't know. <laughs> I could be imagining you two. I've been doing Wii Sports all day, and I feel like a crazy person, so let's get into it. Wow, dude, so, you're uh, all jocked up for I playing am. sports Look all at these. day. This is the only way I was able to lift this Playbill book is because I was working out all day, uh, wow. because otherwise my floppy arms would have dropped it, my floppy <laughs> theater nerd arms. So Katie Keene is an aspiring fashion designer in New York. She has been working on a bunch of things, including uh, working on getting a guy named Guy Lebantanya, a.k.a. Satan himself, to have a residency inside Lacey's, the department store where she works. Uh, They've become kind of friends, had a little bit of a flirtation. Hold on Mm -hmm. to that note for later. Uh, However, she... she, tackled uh, him? What? She She tackled him? him? 
Yeah, she, she did bum rush him. Bum rushed him, vomited on him, a bunch of stuff going on with Kaima and Panya. Yeah. Uh, summoned him from hell itself, also, that was going on. Mm, true. Uh, now, ooh, I just made Pete choke on his uh, Mountain Dew, I assume, Code Red, probably. <laughs> Almost a spit tank there, Zell. Yeah. Oh, we you have, have reached ale? Code Red officially. Yeah, ginger ale, man. <laughs> oh, you, you got to get those calzones down, settle there. the tubby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, there's Kylo and Tanya. There's also K.O. Kelly, who is her so far first and only long-term boyfriend, who she was in love with, who she broke up with. However, she had a flirty one-night stand with a actual prince, Errol Swoon, slept with him. He was engaged. He told her the engagement was broken off, even though Katie had helped him with that engagement and with the engagement ring and the cliffhanger at the end of the last episode was she got called into a big room at Lacey's by her boss, Gloria Gladbelt, and was told by the fiance, I want you to make my wedding dress. Uh, And in fact, she doesn't know anything about what went on with Errol Spoon and Katie. So that's uh, the big thing that's hanging over her this episode. Moving on to Jorge. Jorge, uh, as we probably know, has been moonlighting as a drag queen named Ginger Lopez down at uh, Molly's Crisis, a drag club. He has gotten the six o'clock Tuesday slot. Is that what it is? I believe yeah. so, which is very yeah. close to our slot. It's fine. Yeah. Yes, they keep calling it a terrible slot, and I'm like, calm down there, Buster. <laughs> yeah. We just need a Francois to come and help us out. Exactly. Yeah. We need a fairy drag mother is what's going on. Uh, so Francois, who is Lacey's uh, window dressing expert, is also a storied drag queen in New York and has offered to be Jorge's fairy drag mother, asked him what he really wanted to do to dominate the drag scene, and he said a production of Kiss of the Spider-Woman, a one-woman production, uh, and that's what we're kicking off with in this episode. Pepper Smith, meanwhile, is opening up a multi-use art space called the Pepper plant. Uh, She has been romancing a Tish director named Raj, who doesn't really show up this episode, I don't think. No, I don't didn't see him at all. Right. Nope. Uh, there's another person named Dee Dee who used to work at a hotel that she was uh, scamming her way into because Pepper is also a scammer. And Dee Dee showed up the last episode and said, teach me your scammy scam ways. They also have a bit of a romantic relationship going on. Uh, so that's where we pick up with Pepper this episode. Pepper also knows anybody who is anybody or maybe not. Maybe she's just scamming them. Totally unclear. Last but not least, we got Josie McCoy. Josie McCoy has been mixing it up with the Cabot family, uh, specifically Alex Cabot and Zandra Cabot, who are step-siblings who used to date. Zandra hates Josie because Josie oh. has a romantic relationship with Alex mm-hmm. Cabot, who is also her manager. He uh, got pretty upset the last episode when he found out that Josie was given a contract for an EP in exchange for taking care of Alex and you know what we mean about taking care oh, of Alex. Oh, I know. Man. Don't yeah. creep it up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, creep. by taking care of Alex, I mean, make sure he uh, rests after playing Wii sports for too much. Yes. Nah, and keeps well, a safe yeah, distance like, between his friends. Yes. Six feet at least. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's what's going on with Josie McCoy. Uh, and she is striving to be a music store in New York and they all live in an apartment together in Washington Heights. And that's how the theme song goes. Uh, let's. There is what, one other we... thing we should mention that um, Katie's former boyfriend KO is now oh, right. Zandra's yeah. bodyguard, and I think right. that's an important fact in this episode and beyond. Mm. I think we should. Yeah, you do need to know about that because, of course, the classic movie Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard. Yes. <laughs> Hey, that's that's a, a great movie. Just know it. Know that it exists. Uh, all right, let's jump into it. Uh, Justin, you want to walk us through it? 
Yes. Yeah, Justin. I would love to walk you through it. I have 16 pages of notes um, because <laughs> I had the time to write them all out with right. footnotes for everything. We start with a creepy spider. Ah! Yes. So I, many spiders in this episode. More real spiders than I expected. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they were cool. They were well done. It was very <laughs> Spider-Man. So, well, it was, there was one part cool. that wasn't done so well, but okay. Yeah, I mean, Wait, I just, which one? Which which was the worst spider, Pete? The just before, like Katie was like, "Get it off me!" The one that like came down. It looked real, looked real, and then was like clearly fake right here when it was like uh, your yeah. ear, right up by her ear. Well, they say if, you swallow two fake spiders a year. Yeah, yeah they do. I, That's a Snapple fact. So we don't know if it's an actual fact or just a creepy Snapple fact. And I Pete, usually you, you Snapple facts are the only way you do research, right? It's your Wikipedia. That is correct. That is correct. Yep. Yeah, I actually uh, every January first, I try to eat all of the spiders just to kind of like get it out of the way. I eat all eight of my That's spiders. Smart. Like oh, get in my mouth, you monsters! <laughs> I want to get this over with. Oh, Happy man. New Year! Yeah, uh, yeah eight-legged so, freaks. <laughs> oh, good. Now again, a great reference that I have a long notes for. All my notes are in Snapple. Oh, caps, almost just spit take. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Arquette, what a, what a movie star. Yes. Uh, so we uh, jump in right Wait, where do you, we left. I actually have a fact about Eight-Legged Freaks, uh, okay. the movie with David Arquette. Did you know it was originally called Iraq Attack, A-R-A-C Attack? Uh, and they were like, hey, that sounds like Iraq Attack. Don't release a movie that's called that. And up until it was almost released, it was actually called Iraq Attack, uh, colon, Eight-Legged Freaks. And then they changed it because they're like, that's stupid. There you go. That's my fact. I feel like when someone raised that concern, they should have been like, "This movie is very stupid." Right. <laughs> what are you? Don't worry nobody's going to think. What are you doing? Yeah. Let's all just take a nap. Um, <laughs> so we jump into uh, right where we left off. Uh, wedding dress for the princess. Katie on the hook, and what does she do? She says no. She's like, "This is the greatest yeah. opportunity Hard of her designing no. career." And I'll tell you what, that stressed me out in this moment and for the rest of the episode. This was too yep. good of an opportunity. I didn't like. Uh, right. I I like this episode. I like the show. I feel like this was a stressful uh, plot. What was also stressful was the fact that okay, she's got to come clean, let this girl know, and that never fucking happened. She just sidestepped it and was just like, "Hey, good luck with your marriage that's happening. That I'm gonna help still forward happening, even though I know it shouldn't happen." But it's not well, on Katie to fix that. It's on Errol. Sure, but somebody needs to tell that other girl. uh, Normo? His fiance, Normo? Patricia. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, she... I I agree with you about the Katie thing. It's a tricky thing because, like, from the perspective of a TV show, she is morally doing the correct thing to try to figure out a way out of that situation, and the solution that she ultimately comes up with is pretty good. But I I do feel like... No, you don't think the solution she comes up with is good? It's fine, but uh, the thing with Katie is, I want to be like, who do you like? She just does it. She's been very, yeah. she's very passive. Oh, it's it seems like she uh, like she's a little hung up on Ko, despite the fact that it feels like they've sort of moved on, at least for the purposes of the show. Don't right you now. dare say that! Don't she, you say that! She seemed very charmed by Errol, and then guys here, but it's like, well, choose one of these guys. Yeah, it it's makes a back me- and forth. Every episode is a different like. It's all like whoever she's standing next to is like, hey, do you want to go with this thing to me tonight? Cool. I'll make out with you later. What I mean, a great way to. I mean, I'm not knocking the that's, way that's the awesome. choice is there. That's awesome. 
Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, uh, it's hard. To, it, it's a stressful thing when you have. She has so many ways that she could move forward or make her life what she wants, and she seems to be having a hard time making any choices. Well, yeah. we've talked about this before, but I, I and specifically about like the career choices on this show, and I think a lot of other shows as well, where it feels like, particularly with this one, that. It is an interesting mix because it's a Rob Cobb, right? And it is trying to push that nature of the show. But at the same time, the other 50% of the show is about these people striving in their careers. Maybe not in a totally realistic way because it's taken Josie about three weeks to get a gig at the Apollo. Uh, But... Mm. At the same time, these are people who are making these choices, like how Jorge in the second episode was like, I'm not going to go on the touring company of this Hamilton knockoff. No, thanks. I'm good. Uh, Where it was like, maybe take that job. And I agree with you. The same thing about Katie is like, design the wedding dress, do the best possible way you can, and then figure out a way to tell the truth with Errol while you're doing it. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Do Uh, both. Do it all. do it all. Do both. Figure Can it out. women have Become it all? Wow. Yeah, That's my question. That's right the question to. we need to figure out on this podcast is, can women have it all? You're That's an a... asshole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer is yes, and you don't need to pass off your opportunity to some guy named Guy later on. Mm. Yo, uh, Guy. Uh, but let's get there. Um, let's uh, move forward to uh, Francois and Pepper, um, who see Ginger in her dress and are very happy. Um, and Pepper's on the team. She's getting the funding. They're bringing in um, someone. I mean, they don't know that Pepper is a grift. Taking a huge chunk yeah. for herself. This, so this was the thing that we're like, I love Julia Chad on this episode who plays Pepper. I yeah, l- yeah. really enjoy the Pepper storyline. But this was the one that actually bugged me a little bit because I was like, I think you're ripping off your friends. <laughs> like you're not ripping like them off, but you're... Yeah. But you're kind of like using them to fuel your con without telling them, which is very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's ripping off the Cabots, technically, which is a little bit out of the friend group. But she's definitely, I think she justifies it by saying, oh, I'm taking advantage of the situation a little bit, but it's so I can help my friends with the great situation of having the pepper plant be a uh, multi-use space, the coolest way to refer to anything. Right. (laughs) I mean, do do the ends justify the means is the big question. Yes. Um, and oh, again, they do. I've, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, they definitely 100% do. That's what <laughs> we're doing right here. Does the yeah. podcast justify the means? Uh, I'm going to say maybe not. But. Does, the calzone, <laughs> does the calzone justify the delivery? Pete? God, oh, definitely not in this day and age. Are you, <laughs> are they, uh, just a quick question. When you're getting these calzones delivered, Pete, are they handing you loose calzones or are they yeah, in boxes? Just, What's happening? It's weird because the guy, uh, he made it himself and then he delivered it and then he was sneezing all over it for extra <laughs> sauce. Well, how many bites yeah. do you, you allow the delivery guy two bites is the standard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two, well, you know, it should be 20%, so it's three bites, you know? Oh, wow. that's very sweet. I mean, it's yeah. hard times out there. So let uh, the delivery man take as many bites of your food as you possibly can. Yeah. And I actually believe you, Pete, that you have worked out the calzone math enough to know that three bites equals twenty percent <laughs> of a calzone. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely have, man. Uh, great. How many meatballs come in a subway meatball sub? <laughs> well, it depends on if you know the guy or not. You know, it's what? regulation three meatballs. <laughs> Look at but this. if you know the guy, he's going to put four or five in there. <laughs> 
Oh, man. And that yeah, is the great. best possible answer I could have ever hoped for you to have. <laughs> you got to know the guy uh, gives you an extra meatball. Which, does. granted, it's horse meat, uh, but it's pretty good. They put some wanna, weird cheese on it. Do we want to talk through, like, Katie's storyline is almost separate from everybody else's storyline. So I almost feel like we could go through that one by itself. Okay. Am I wrong yeah, about that? No, I think that's fair. You want to do that one last? Oh, sure. Because that's the one that's the exciting. I'd like yeah, to do that the one juicy. third. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Well, the other ones are sort of uh, married together. Um, yeah, exactly. No pun intended. Um, yeah. So Pepper, um, to continue where we were with the Pepper uh, grifting uh, scam, uh, mm-hmm. Pepper goes immediately to Josie. Uh, Josie, this episode, I feel like she was sort of uh, in a bad mood for a lot of it. In a yeah. way that I didn't understand, she, she's she seems stressed. Um, she uh, is after Alex. He op- she opens the door for Alex to come in, and that was a funny bit. He was like, "Hi, wow, it's crazy. I haven't seen your place." Because she was like, "Hi, what's going on with my LP? Why don't I have any gigs?" And he was like, "Oh, hi, good to see you." You know, so that was well, kind of a funny first bit. of all, it's an EP, Pete, not an LP. But anyway, take it from there. Ouch. Wow. Busted. Yeah. LP, yeah. large pizza. That's all I can <laughs> EP, extra large pizza. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Alex turns it around on Josie when he says that he has the hook up at the Apollo. Yeah. Right. And the interesting thing that I think happens here with their dynamic is we find out that part of the reason he can't get the gig at the Apollo is he hasn't built up his reputation as a producer yet. So... Yeah. Because everybody end just up thinks with this he's thing. a creepy dude who sleeps with his sister. He d- didn't right. sleep with his sister. He dated a girl, and then their parents got married. That's very it's different. It's a yeah. classic American tale. Yeah, it's like the plot of an American tale and an American tale five goes west. Yeah. There are no Whoa. cats in America, and my parents will marry, uh, <laughs> and I'll date my <laughs> sister, I think is how the lyrics go. Yeah. Somewhere out there. He is actually saying that with his sister. Is <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Do you want to keep talking about this, Pete, or what's going I on? I was hoping we would die out and we could move on soon. Nope. This die is the rest out. of the podcast. Jeez. Aggressive language. Yeah. Um, I like the line that Alex says to Josie here. He says, Jorge's amazing. Count me in. Yeah. Uh, Alex immediately jumping on board. He'll do anything Josie says, uh, and all he gets in exchange is, uh, more apologizing to her for fucking up. Right. Uh, well, because that's his character right now, is he's a fuck up. But what I was actually saying before that I like is this this show is all about strivers, and we haven't really gotten a sense of what he wants other than Josie yet. But the idea that he's trying to work his way up as a producer takes him a little out of that realm of just rich dick who gets drunk at stuff. You know, it, it gives yeah. him a little more to play with as a character, which I think is nice. Yes, agreed. I would just like a relationship that I could root for on this show is all I would like. Wait, are there no relationships that you like? You liked KO and Katie, so you're done at this yeah, point. Yeah, so I'm fucked. Um, I can't tell if Pepper's a good person or not. Josie is kind of in a weird relationship that isn't her own relationship, even though she kind of says it is, but it seems like she's in this more for the music career than the love, and it's hard because I feel like there could be love there, but I don't know. I want there to be love there, but then does that make it creepy or not? I'm not sure. Um, Jorge and Bernie, their relationship. Oh, yeah, that's Yeah, a, they're pretty fantastic. cute. Yeah, you're right. This episode My bad. especially. My bad. My bad. I take it back. Jorge and Bernie. 
Um, well, let's keep. You know, actually, um, I do think the plots are pretty mixed together because of all. Of okay, yeah, we can just stuff. walk through it. It's fine. Um, but I do want to talk about Pepper's second. Uh, Pepper's second. Yeah, I want to talk about Pepper's second. Was third. Yeah, no, 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 no. I want to talk about Katie third and Pepper second. But I thought Katie, you were we can kind of mix it. To I thought you were referring to Dee Dee as Pepper second, like second oh. band. And I was like, <laughs> what is this, the military for you? Oh, um, yeah, if Pepper falls in the line of duty, <laughs> Dee Dee will step right in for her. Exactly. Uh, so we move into um, Gloria. Uh, I love, she has a line, uh, talking to you, Katie, is like a tarantula crawling through her my brain, which I thought was very Ooh. fun. Gloria has become one of my favorite characters to watch on this show. Oh, she is oh, just yeah. so good. Well, this is because she does so many different modes throughout the show. Like she could, and I feel like we've definitely talked about this before, but she could just be the dragon lady boss who is mean to Katie. But uh, sometimes she's very considerate to her. Sometimes she's very encouraging of her. Sometimes she is very dismissive of her. uh, And she gets to be so many different things. And they're all ludicrously fun at the same time. And I actually like the way she she treats Katie because she sort of is like, Katie, what? nightmare are you creating now because yeah, uh, yeah. i sort of feel like i was this way um when uh when i was waiting tables i feel i always had it i was like i have to run out for this audition my boss yeah, is always like okay oh, you, you had the fucking psychopath we're still oh, very close God. friends um but i was but because i was fun i was fun at work <laughs> yeah you were fun at yeah, work fun when at work. you were there yeah when i was there and i was there yeah. a lot also um so i really appreciate gloria's character um, we see Katie sees her own personal Spider Woman. Now, what do we right. think of this? These sort of like dark visions that Katie had throughout the episode. Well, what's upsetting is if this doesn't keep moving forward in the episodes, because okay, great, it's for this episode because of the theme of it. But if she just has visions and never addresses them again, I would kind of be upset because, like, well, why do we do that? I I mean, first of all, I don't think we're ever going to see them again. Uh, but second, it would of all, be crazy if we did. It yeah, would be truly insane. I I wish there was more of a resolution there with that. Uh, I felt like yeah. we saw it twice, right? Those visions, I, but never maybe three times. I maybe thought, three times. I was like, oh, maybe if I'd seen the musical, this would be super clear why she's having visions. And I thought maybe it was just stress over her job or whatever. But it was very specific. An evil they, version of They herself. did sort of assume that you saw the musical, and they never really explained how the Spider-Woman, and I think it's Malena is the name of the character, are kind of the same person, but kind of separate people and aspects of each other and et cetera. Like, that was implied, but they never really stated that outright. And I do yeah. think that might have made those Katie dream sequences a little clearer. To me, um, having not seen the musical, and God, I wish I'd been able to talk to 15 year old Alex to really explain it to me. <laughs> and I would now have I some want other to look questions. up and see when I actually saw it, but keep talking. I would like to ask that 15 year old Alex, like two or three more questions. Um, but, uh, <laughs> to me, the spider woman was Katie's guilt. It kept presenting her and stopping her from doing what she naturally wanted to do, like agreeing to make the dress or like going after Errol. And the guilt was the spider woman that kept uh, showing up and making her rethink what she wanted to do. Huh. Interesting. That was Sorry, I'm looking thing. up this playbill, so I got a little distracted. No, true, true. Please yeah. keep reading yeah. your diary. Yeah, I got uh, no excuse other than I'm like, ah, okay, but still. Keep reading your teenage addressed. diary. Um, I mean, 
It would have been yeah. nice if Katie at least had a line that was like, oh, my God, I'm so stressed out. I keep thinking I'm seeing a spider woman or something. <laughs> to, that would have been a crazy line for her to say. <laughs> well, I mean, why else do that? Why else just be like. I feel like I'm about uh, to be. I feel like I'm about to be kissed by some sort of spider woman. June, Anybody else? This is, a, this is the June 1995 playbill. That's what it's from. Okay, okay so, so you, you were, were 15. Uh, no, no, eight, I don't know. Let something like that. Oh, here instead, look at this uh, signed playbill from Tommy by the whole nice. cast. Tommy signed oh, it. All right, big shot. Yeah, Tommy signed it. He couldn't see or hear anything that I was asking him, but I was like, sign that. I just handed him a pen and he went for it. He Would you keep looking for cats, you asshole? I want to know if you saw cats. <laughs> I saw weird... cats. I told you if I saw cats. Yeah, but I want to know if there's a goddamn playbill in there that says cats. Surely, yeah, funny rum, thing surely happened on rum the way Tum to the Tugger forum? signed it. What about that funny thing happened on the way to the forum with Nathan Lane? That was a fun nah, one. What a that dream. was a good time. All right, throw that thing away. Let's keep talking. Um, <laughs> uh, I love Amanda in this episode as well. She pops in in the scene for the perfect eye roll. Somebody poses, and she's bringing some willow bark tea. Yeah, yeah, that was great. She was good in this episode, especially the way she was like gathering dirt. I thought that was cool. Yeah, she showed up at the pepper plant later to um, check up on Katie, which gets Katie into some trouble. Um, I also like the, there are some very dramatic shots of the moon throughout this entire episode, um, which made it feel uh, it added like a little to, shout out to you because you have a moon. I do have a moon. Oh, That's moonlight, yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. There it is. There's whoa, your moonlight. There's a visual. Oh, wow. Oh, I didn't realize it was actually a moonlight. I thought Are you it was serious? just. Co- yeah, no I've, it just uh, looked like a big ball of light before that. That's really cool. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, it's very cool. It's my version <laughs> of a little book of playbills. Oh, uh, very nice. <laughs> Every crater tells a story about young Justin. Um, So then we move on to um, uh, The first The sort of backers performance Of Kiss of the Spider Woman um, Where uh, that pepper set up at the pepper plant Jorge is um, as we learned in a moment Playing both parts Which I thought was very cool yeah, that was great. Uh, I I know I, I copped to the fact that I don't know anything about Drag Race or anything like that, but apparently the half-and-a-half half makeup was a shout-out to a particularly famous uh, Drag Race number, uh, something, one of the competitions in Drag Race where somebody did that. Um, so, But the design, again, without any reference, was very cool, and the way that... Uh, Johnny Beauchamp played that, just turning back and forth. The way that it was staged was very neat as well. Yeah, uh, it was great. What did you think? This was another thing that I was very 50-50 about, having done plenty of not backers auditions, but certainly like industry auditions and things. Um, something like that, all those people walking out. Oh what my was God, your take I, on that? Again, very stressful. I too yeah. have done a lot of showcases and stuff where it's like there's a lot of industry there. That's like, this has to go well. We have to do a good job. And even the coldest of agents would never stand up and walk out. So this was especially like triggering for me yeah. um, and stressful. Yeah, it it was funny too because I guess you're supposed to assume in the show that he's not good or this is bad or not what they're looking for or something. But well, he's I, the, very the, good. 
he's very self-indulgent. Good. Self-indulgent is yeah, exactly. Sure. You hear an uh, they added someone mumbling like, "Is this dude self-indulgent?" self-indulgent. And then this later, self-indulgent. yeah, self-indulgent. Ko well, so, says it, and then Ko, yeah. So it's everyone has their self-indulgent take. Um, but b- before we see the performance, there's this little scene where um, Ko oh, yeah. is sitting with Zandra. Um, he and Zandra are getting closer. She bought a sort of nice coat for him. It's like a Carhartt with just like uh, that an, it was in an accident or something. Um, and then it's when we hear uh, Spider-Man turn off the dark that he and uh, Katie went to see that. Which yeah, I thought well, was specifically, this is uh, Zandra leans over and is like, oh, he thought uh, he was going to see Spider-Man turn off the dark, which is funny because Roberto Aguirre Sacasa was the guy who revised... Spider-Man yes. turned off the dark after it was a total disaster. So it was a total yeah. disaster on Broadway. He came in, he script doctored it, and people are like, oh, this is, this is okay. This is pretty good now. Yeah. Um, so that was He's a fun a little, yeah, that was a fun little Easter egg there. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, of course, it's also used as a dig at Katie at the same time, uh, sort of digging into her heart. Have you guys seen Spider-Man turn off the dark? No. Mm. No. Pete, no, you didn't see it? No, uh, Dan I Slott s- told us a bunch of cool stories about it, though, when he was on our show. The When I was working at MTV, uh, you guys remember when they were they killed off Spider-Man, right? Pete, you remember that at all, when they killed off Spider-Man in the comic books? No, no, I don't remember that. No, it doesn't ring a bell or anything like that? No, no, uh, so at MTV, so- since we were covering stuff in advance, we got advanced word that they were doing that, and so I we were putting together a video of people saying, thank you, Spider-Man, as a goodbye video. We did an interview with Dan Slott, who was writing the issue in the background, but we didn't tell anybody that they were killing off Spider-Man because we were allowed to say that. So we just told them, oh, it's the 700th issue of Amazing Spider-Man, say thank you, Spider-Man. And so I very casually threw it out to Spider-Man turn off the dark because they were across the street from the MTV offices. I was like, can we do anything with like the cast? And they were like, yeah, why don't you come see a show and then come on stage and at the end of the show, we'll get the whole audience to say, thank you, Spider-Man. And so we did that. And I was like, <laughs> what? on stage. Yeah, it was on stage with the camera. The guy who was the Green Goblin in the Green Goblin costume was like, hey, everybody, it's Amazing Spider-Man. They're releasing the seventh hundred issue. Everybody on the count of three say, thank you, Spider-Man. And we did that. And so we have that on film. And I was like, two emotions. One, this is an amazing moment. Also, we just lied to an entire Broadway theater yeah, about say, the yeah. reason that we're doing this. Uh, so I felt a little bad, but it was you still... You should. That was awful. And but then cool. on the way out, I mugged all of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, Famous. it was very cool, though. Like, they were awesome about it, and they were also friendly and amazing. Uh, and the show was actually kind of weird and fun at the same time. So there yeah. you go. That's awesome. So, I wish I'd yeah. see it. Yes. I don't. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Pete, got to get out on the Broadway. Got to get out on the Great White Way. Uh, so let's, uh, can we talk about this for a second, though? The whole KO, Zandra, Katie thing and what you think is going on there? Can we please talk about this? Yeah. It's well, clear Pete, you have that some... Katie is still in love with KO, and she needs to stop lying to herself because it's killing me to watch. Do you think, though, on the other end of it, do you think something is really happening between Zandra and K.O., or is it Zandra implying that something is happening between them to needle Katie? She's all needles. She's all needles. (laughs) That woman loves a good needling. Rachel Lee Um, Cook was great in that, by the way. Yeah. She's Uh, all needles. uh, Yeah, great movie. (laughs) 
uh, you're talking about Hellraiser, right? The yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I think uh, yeah I think it's not a real relationship, but I do think that um, over the course of the season, Kale will be drawn toward her, and assuming that that Katie has moved on, um, he may nope, end don't up say that. dating Don't put Xander. that out. What? Don't put that out there. Katie's already moved on with multiple men. I'm aware of that, man. I think we're heading towards a triple date situation, right? Like a classic Mrs. Doubtfire. Pete, I like that you're positioning yourself as Katie's big brother, sort of, where you're like, yo, you (laughs) got to get with KO. He's so cool. I love him. Who's these other? Are you Prince? I could beat up that Prince. (laughs) Guy? What kind of name is Guy? Guy La Montagna? What I'm a guy. Do? Designs dresses. Come on, that man. Sounds like a guy Satan to me. <laughs> Satan. I could beat him. Um, I could beat him. Uh, so I'll, I'll challenge him to a fiddle fucking contest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about? I got this golden fiddle, and I'm an excellent fiddler. <laughs> and I'm You're on a trip to Georgia, guy. I'm going to Georgia right now, so <laughs> have the devil meets me there. <laughs> Chicken in a bedpan, kicking out dough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh, so uh, Francois, over this whole performance, is in absolute shock and just like ju- pure joy, which I thought yeah. was great that he is... Uh, there are two ways to go. Francois could have been sort of the very harsh um, uh, teacher who's like being sort of mean to uh, Ginger, but instead, it's like the flip. Francois is in awe of Ginger's talent and is just trying to support it and boost it up. I think that was a great choice. Yeah, I agree. I mean, across the board, everything up until the final moment, everything feels surprisingly light in this episode. Like, there's stakes, and certainly the characters are feeling big stakes, but everything is mostly played for comedy. And I think, if anything, that's probably to to play against what is coming next, which is a rather serious thing that's about to happen in the show. Um, So even though, to your point, Justin, Jorge is screwing up his chances with this number uh, and being, as as we see pretty quickly, because what happens next is that Josie gets the chance to show off to the Apollo folks by uh, using... Kiss of the Spider Woman as her own audition and taking over the performance. Jorge is still kind of like eh, about it, yeah. But that's okay. Like it, it's all it all seems just fine, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and the Joe. It was weird. It felt like Jorge and Josie were sort of pitted against each other on this episode. Yeah, and to that it wasn't was fun for either of them. Yeah. Um, so that was, I, I like where it landed, but it was sort of a, a bummer throughout. Yeah. Yes. Eventually Jorge was like, Hey, you know, they're Josie's my friend, but it was yeah. weird because he was like, I want to do both parts and I want to show my dad, which was like a little out of left field. Like I understand that he wants to do that, but like there was a lot already riding on this one yeah. performance to throw the dad in there too. was a little kind of yeah. like, All it's right. also a little bonkers. The whole idea of it was a little bonkers to be like, this is literally the only performance that's happening in New York. There is only Tuesday at 6 p.m. at Molly's Crisis. That's the only space available. So we got to do both of these performances simultaneously. That's how we're going to do it. Uh, Which I I understand is the artifice of the show. But there was, again, something in terms of like, 
I don't know, get Josie literally any other gig. Like, I don't think this is a good yeah. showcase for her at the Apollo. I don't think they're going to want her to do Kiss of the Spider Woman numbers or anything <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. Whoever's the talent coordinator for the Apollo is like, ooh, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yeah, that could work. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been wanting that up here at the Apollo. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, now, I wanted to ask, um, all those people walking out made me wonder, what were your, are your, um, like sort of bad show performances. Like we've all done so many shows. Like worst show? Like small, not worst performance-wise, but just like, oof, there are two people in the audience. Or like, wow, we shouldn't have given the audience tennis balls to throw at us. Or something <laughs> like that. I mean, I can say the the worst the worst thing that uh, I, in my sketch group we ever did at a performance, we were in Chicago and they had this thing. And I don't know if you guys did the Chicago Fest. We did this at the New York Fest as well, where they had a sketchubator, which is like, do your dirty or off color or messy sketches. I did that and, at Sketch Fest in New York. Yeah. And the, when they first introduced it, like it was. Wait, what was in, the name of your sketch group? Was it Giraffe Steve? What was it? Uh, yep. That was it, Giraffe Steve. Oh, no, Elephant Larry. Oh, uh, so when they first did it in Chicago, it was like a shit show in the absolute best way where the stage. I remember there was points when, like, the stage was crystallized at the end because there was just so much mess that people had smashed oh. on it. And it was great, and it was gross and whatever. Um, so that's what we kind of assumed going in it was going to be like, because we, we, but we hadn't been there for a year. We came back, and we did this sketch where people go into a wood chipper offstage. And so we figured <laughs> off this effect where it was just, like, spraying stuff onto stage. Mm. And first of all, everybody had calmed down in the intervening two years where they're now using it as like, this is our chance to do our best material to get into the sketch comedy festival. Ooh, so we were not, not prepared for that at comedy. all. We were the only people doing gross stuff. And then we accidentally sprayed it all over the curtain. And while <laughs> everybody after the show was partying in the lobby, we were just standing there in the theater, like sobbing, being like, I'm sorry, we're cleaning off your curtain for like two hours. Wow. It was awful. Um, that makes, this is not, uh, I didn't feel bad when we did this, but the same vibe of when the, uh, I forget what it was called at New York Sketch Fest, Craptacular, I want to say. Yeah, we called it the Craptacular, yeah. Um, so we did, the, we were the closing sketch for the Craptacular, so it was... Humble brag. I mean, oh, I, I guess... This the... Well, you tell the story. I think I know what you're talking about. So we were like, okay, let's definitely do something that's stupid and um, sensational. So we did this bit. And the same thing. Everyone did just like regular sketches that they thought were cool. And uh, fine. We were like, oh, this bit is going to feel very weird. So what we did is we took off all of our clothes and we walked <laughs> out with a, um, a solo cup in front of our um, penises. And the you idea was we were junk. sitting there. You could have just said junk. We were staying there having a conversation, and every time we couldn't think of the next, the it was like, oh, what was the name of that actor? We would take a <laughs> pull up our cups to take a sip of beer, and then someone would be like, oh, it's George Clooney, and then put the cup right back in front of the, covering the genitals. Wow, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do, my man. Uh, uh, thanks for having well, us. Anyway. Th- thanks for having us at Sketchfest, Alex. <laughs> anytime, anytime, buddy. That sounds like a craptacular good time right there. I mean, we lived up to the name, Alex. You got to give us. We lived up to the name. It was pretty crappy, so there you go. (laughs) Uh, No, it was great. Uh, You did a great job, and I'm very proud of you. Uh, So getting back to Katie Keene, though. Wait, wait. What? 
I would say my kind of worst. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I, there was a, uh, I, back when I was doing stand up, there was a sports bar that was also a comedy club. And the way they turned the sports bar into the comedy club is they just shut off all the TVs. So people oh, would go from being like, really into a you know football game or basketball game whatever they would shut everything off and make people watch the stand-up comedy and it was just uh, uh absolute brutal uh it was my first and last time doing that show and uh it was just uh it was it was really uh, a lot of angry people who didn't want to be there Ugh, that's the worst. I once yeah. did a, a gig where I did improv between um rounds of a boxing match at a secret <laughs> boxing gym on like 60th and Columbus wow. underneath the church there. And man, that was horrible. Yeah. That's the best doing gigs when they just don't want to see you and don't want you to <laughs> yeah. be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, hey, but, but that's so we what being of... a dreamer, that's what being a dreamer is all about, Alex. Exactly. Just like the characters in a little show I like to call Katie Keene. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we kind of sped through the Jorge Josie thing a little bit. I don't know if there was any stuff uh, we missed, but ultimately what happens is they do, of course, decide to split the roles and kiss of the Spider Woman. They do the song together. Uh, Josie looks exactly like Black Widow, and it's amazing. Uh, Jorge comes out. They kiss at the end. Uh, and again, in terms of like interesting moments, Jorge's dad, who we know was accepting of his homosexuality, we didn't get to see it, but seemed to have a little bit of a hard time with him coming out, but ultimately likes him and accepts him, um, we've been told would have a problem with his drag persona. That's what we deal with head on here. Uh, but at there's such a flurry of emotions because right at the end of the show, he stands up and he's so proud of him. And I think he says, yeah. that's my boy. And it's he says, very like, our boy's a star. Our yeah. boy's a star, right. My son's a Which star. Which is yeah. so sweet and so wonderful. And then it immediately turns around where he's like, okay, you can take off your costume now. Yeah. And yeah. He's a little uh, Yeah. It's just like, it's such a knife to the gut at the same time. But I love... I continue to love how they are playing this storyline. I think And I, I love Bernie coming well in out. there. And mm-hmm. uh, he comes in and sort of fixes it for Jorge, which I thought was great. I also yeah. really liked the um, the way they kept the secret of what was going to happen, who was playing who, right up until the end. Even when Katie Keene runs in with the, you know, the costume yeah. is like, all right, mm-hmm. who am I dressing? And they just kind of both look out. I thought that was uh, really adorable. But yeah, the firefighter boyfriend is the definitely the hero of this episode, man. Yeah. yeah, well, and that leads into the cliffhanger where, uh, as teased earlier on, oh, we also totally skipped by Daphne Rubin Vega does a number. No, which... there's a whole lot of other stuff we have to talk about. So let's, oh, okay. let's jump right. back. Oh, and then we'll sorry, keep... I'm, I'm jumping through it. Jump back. Uh, jump back. Uh, so the, the prince, back where we were before, the prince shows up at Katie's place. She totally puts him off. There's a great sitcom moment with um, uh, Josie and Jorge in the are they're in the apartment and they're yeah. like clearly listening. That's when the spider drops in, um, uh, almost gets Katie, which is a good omen to Jorge, but terrifying to uh, Katie. But she should have let it bite her, right? So she could get the spider powers. Hell yeah. yes. That yeah. helps you choose who you want to date. Mm-hmm. Spidey sense. Um, yeah. Just it. like uh, how we know Peter Parker's love life is very even and manageable. Totally manageable. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and someday he's going to get married. We cross your fingers. Oh, uh, that would be great. 
Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> then we get a, a montage of Pepper on the grind. Um, it's a Pepper grinder. She's working the cabinets. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, we got it. We got it. You did <laughs> yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> it's funny. I wrote that down and I didn't even write it as a joke, but it is. Uh, sort of. It's a You're just mean, naturally funny. Like that uh, bit. Do you remember that bit you did? The late night bit where like you had the solo cuffs. Anyway, it was more new. It was very nuanced. It was more nuanced than that. Um, So then um, we get a a great Pepper impression of Josie, which was fun. Uh, Ko and Zandra again um, talking about uh, he. uh, Ko's like he's the next Billy Porter, which I thought was fun. And then Zandra with a line, "I trust Ko." Yeah, yeah. And And uh, she uh, tries to get him modeling gigs. It sounds like that's going to be in his future. Well, yeah, I mean, that seems like a good plot line for him as well. Like, right now, he is very side to the narrative, other than being Sandra's side piece or whatever is going on with him. To have him get a modeling gig and maybe that be the thing that he pursues instead of boxing, which is definitely a weird fit for this show, uh, I think uh, I think would be smart. It would be good. And definitely bring him back with Katie at some point again, right? Yeah, she could make clothes for him. But I will exactly. say I would love to see a boxing match just to see like what great improvisers come on in between rounds to improvise. <laughs> uh, I don't so think Pepper, that's a thing. no, not a, not a normal thing. Not so a Pepper thing, yeah. promises the Cabots um, two different things: promises that Josie can have the lead role and that Xander can have the lead role. And we sort of talked about this. It's weird that the Xander thing never comes up again. Yeah, I yeah. know, right? That just the, goes away. There are a couple of things in this episode that feel like they're there. And then gone. Kind of like how the spider woman shows up and then disappears. Yes. Um, So that was a little odd, but uh, but fine. I think they chose the right thing to do in the end, as we talked about, the the Josie and Jorge performance. Um, Back on Katie, Gloria bus Katie because Amanda came and spied on her. Um, She's onto the whole Prince Errol thing, but she tells her to just lock it down, get it done, design the dress, and move on. Yeah. Uh, which I Which think is. is kind of the right advice, right? Yes. And then Jorge gives her bad advice. Um, he says to design the dress with like a fatal flaw. Yeah. Um, Which was like weird. And then she's like, no, I don't want to do that. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like make it amazing and then just rip it a little bit. It'll be fine. Which again is not a better pitch, but she was like, "Oh well, here in a second time around, that's definitely what I'll do." And then she does like a cartoon dress and pins it on a board. And it's like, huh? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I know. There's a little crown on top of the lady. Yeah, I totally agree. Sort of weird. Another thing in the scene I thought was weird is that Jorge's dad made him dress up for Hall- Halloween as Danny Zuko, which. Mm-hmm. I don't know what parent is that uh, aggressively uh, draconian with their Halloween costume judgment. Yeah. Is Danny Zuko the most straight person in the world? Is that? Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I guess tell so. Me more, tell me more. Tell me more. Oh, oh, I mean, okay. he is in a musical, so. Yeah. Okay. I, oh, let me see if I have that playbill. Hold on one second. I have oh, a feeling God. you do have some version of Grease Please in there. Please tell me No, I don't. I hate Grease. I hate Grease. I do not like Grease at all. You hate Grease. Wow. I hate Grease. Bad show. Good songs. Bad show. Oh, wow. Ooh, oh, your whole, your little, your little book just lit on fire by its own. Because <laughs> you're a Broadway uh, trader. I have a Carousel. I have Carousel Pete. Yeah, that's uh, similar. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, there you go. 
So um, moving forward, we get um, uh, the Francois musical number. And I will mm-hmm. say these are a little weird, um, but I got to give it to the show. They pull it off, I think. I I love this number. I thought this was a lot of fun. It was really well staged. It felt like, did it make any sense? No, but that is exactly how those numbers always play out in any musical to have just like a very... I mean, it's not Busby Berkeley, but like a very jet. They have the set there, like they have the lazy set. Why wouldn't you have people going around and riding on clothing racks and everything else going on? It's just fun, and to me, it was actually one of the highlights of the episode. Just like I like the number, I like Francois, um, and it was just enjoyable throughout. I think Francois gave the best advice to KD about the whole dress thing. What was his advice, Pete? He was just like, uh, hey, go upstairs, get that dude who you made take over the eighth floor and have him make the wedding dress. Yes. Later, uh, he literally gives her the solution that she chooses. Um, uh, We do get it. Before we get there, though, we get um, uh, a scene where Jorge's mom gets a little number um, where the parents are trying to stop the spiders. uh, Again, playing out the uh, light metaphor over the episode. Right. But that's great. I mean, Daphne Ruben Vega, for those who don't know, she was Mimi in Rent. Uh, and she's great. And I loved hearing her sing. I I think Jorge's parents' relationships with Jorge are one of my favorite things of the show so far as well. Uh, and yeah. it's just very sweet and nice. Yeah. Uh, very fun. Uh, and the fact we already talked about it pays off at the end in uh, sort of a medium nice way. Um, back on Katie, she presents the dress to Patricia. Um, which it was a failure, um, but he, she still wants her to do it. She believes in her so hard, which I think is what makes Katie so uncomfortable. Um, we get uh, a little scene with Pepper and her uh, apprentice, Dee Dee. Um, she has a song um, about how she's going to scam the world uh, for Dee Dee. Ends in a little kiss there, which is a... Yeah. Their relationship is interesting. I do you think between uh, Raj and Pepper and Dee Dee, are we heading towards like a little bit of a thruple action? I'm just throwing that out there. Stop pushing the thruple agenda. I think there might be a thruple. I think they're going to be heading towards a a lot. Mm. It's just a fun word. It's a fun word to say. Oh, you Uh, should. We had a little question here on Crowdcast about where's the rent playbill. I have some thoughts about rent, all right? But I don't want to get into wow. them. We don't have time on this podcast. Wow. wow. We, what are you talking about, Alex? We have 525,600 minutes. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, I used to work... Fine, I'll tell you. This is a very quick story about rent uh, oh, that I always hesitate God. to what say because obviously right like, people feel very strongly about rent. Um, the... I worked with the guy who helped Jonathan Larson develop rent... I did an internship with him, and he would talk to me all the time about what went on there that Jonathan Larson apparently was like, nope, I know how to do this. This is good. I don't need any advice. I'm done. Uh, And then horribly, of course, he died rather tragically before the musical came out, but then they mostly kept the staging the same and didn't change anything because they wanted to honor his memory. So I always felt like this music is good. You go and see the show, and the staging is like they just go and stand at the front of the stage, and that's it, and they sway a little bit, and it's very frustrating. And I knew the reason for that is because they felt so precious about it, he pushed so hard about changing anything. So Mm. that backstory and having a boss who constantly was like, 
here are all the terrible things about Rent definitely soured the musical for me a little bit. Wow. But I know a lot of people love it. And if you love it, I think that's awesome. They're just walking to the front of the stage and being vulnerable, Alex. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. It's like I going out on stage. It's like going out on stage nude with a solo cup in front of you. <laughs> yeah, the solo cup is the swaying, basically. Thank you, because uh, yes. we actually uh, Jonathan Larson staged our bit as well before oh. he died. <laughs> right. I do remember I was backstage at that sketch fest, and I turned to we weren't married then, but I turned to my wife and I was like, "This is like their rent." <laughs> and that and that's when you proposed to her, I believe, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> nice. She said no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was the I was the ring bearer. If you, if you know yes, mean. you were. It was in one of the cups. <laughs> uh, that's not what I was thinking, but sure. Um, okay. So moving back into the episode of Katie Keene, which is why we come and talk on this podcast. <laughs> right. not this for, is the main thing that we're talking about. <laughs> the is main, there a dog the howling main. in the background? What is happening right now? I'm sorry. I'm I'm in an abandoned factory, and there's a lot. I'm in like my own pepper plant, um, yeah. and uh, it's getting uh, a little dicey here. Oh, nice. Is that Pip uh, or or no? No, it's another dog. We have multiple dogs here in my little castle. Yeah. Oh, we have a question here in the comments about how you get the ring without removing the cup. Uh, the ring was stuck. We don't need to get into it too much. All right, go ahead, Justin. <laughs> but we got it off. Uh, no problem. <laughs> um, so Katie, um, back on the dress, she sees the Spider Woman again. Errol sends her flowers. She can't deal. The drama, the tension, it's building. Katie goes to Gloria. She can't live with the guilt. What is going to happen? And we already know, but we'll get there in a second. Um, we, uh, it's a lot of there's a lot of build up in this episode. What is going to happen? I turned oh, off I the show know. after that. Uh, I hit pause. I went and uh, used the bathroom, and then I came back. <laughs> um, Francois back in the rehearsal. Francois is just like so so behind this performance. Um, Katie. Uh, Back on Katie, she ruins the dress, and Francois, for some reason, shows up. Yeah, she's just losing her mind on the dress. Yeah, and Francois is carrying two hat boxes, and he's like, "I just pop into this apartment up in Washington Heights every now and again, just to check on my girl." Um, And he has the idea they need to start having some scenes. By the way, of people going on the subway, being like, "Come on." Waiting yeah. for four subways uh, is just taking forever. The local C train, come on, Ugh. you're killing me. Taking an hour to get up to Washington Heights. No thanks. It's a long way. Yeah, uh, that's there is where no my, way that people would just drop in there. My now wife, her first apartment was up in Washington Heights, and hoof, it was a long ways from uh, South Brooklyn where I lived. Yeah. Oof. My wife will tell you that uh, she lived in Harlem while I was in Long Island City, and I'd be like, nah, I'm not going there. <laughs> wow. Well, but you lived, if I remember correctly, in a pa- absolute palace on Long Island City. Yes, I. It wasn't a no. palace. It's not a big deal. It was a penthouse apartment, but it's not a big oh deal, and I don't God. want to talk. Here about we it. go. Uh, yeah. uh, your New York struggles. The doorman. I hit the doorman enough. It was very hard to move to the city and immediately move into a penthouse apartment. I got to tell you. I thought that he, she was working on the dress at Lacey's, and that's why he walked by with a hat box. I believe it was her apartment. Okay. Um, and she tears it to pieces. She was really cracking in this episode, yeah. Um, yeah. which is why this well, solution felt... when you start felt- to see imaginary spider evil versions of yourself, you're going to lose a little bit. Oh, you think, you think the cracking up was a result of seeing the imaginary spider woman, not the imaginary spider woman was a result of her cracking up? <laughs> Ooh. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Tough question. Oh, okay. All right. What came uh, first, you know? Yeah, uh, hard. We'll never know. The um, Spider Woman came first. 
Uh, yes. Uh, so that Katie, um, based on Francois' advice, goes to Guy, spilling her secrets. She's really talking up how she had sex with the prince. Yeah, is, that was yeah. like first thing out of her mouth. She, yeah, she was like, uh, oh, guess what I did? I did like yeah. the fact that Guy had the reaction of like, ooh, tell me the tea, spill the gas, I want to know, rather than getting upset about it or anything like that. I thought that was a much stronger, more fun choice. I, I thought Guy was much more likable in this episode than the last hey, episode. Hey, don't say that about Satan, man. Well, I hail Satan. He was a, being a, <laughs> a good, regular dude. Um, everyone else is so, like, heightened, and he was just like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. I'll come to He's your like, party. I'll make a dress. I mean, you know, I'm supposed to be doing other work here, but cool, cool, cool. Yeah, um, that's good. So because of that, Katie gives Patric- Patricia the dress from, a dress from Guy that he designed. She loves it. It's happy. She totally missed this huge opportunity, and it was stressing me out the most in this scene. Yeah, uh, but it works out okay. I mean, again, like she figures out a way to sidestep the problem, but she's still going to have to deal with it eventually. Like, there's, yeah, there's yeah. this train wreck of a marriage that is. Well, yeah, Normo is definitely going to be like, and I want you to be my maid of honor, Katie. Yeah, and I want to spill my secrets, and I'm worried there's another woman. Do you think there's another woman? Yeah, blah blah blah. Of course, it's going to be that. awful if they do that. That's great. Um, Katie invites Guy to um, the show. What is happening? Why is she uh, pursuing a new relationship with this other yeah. guy when she's already juggling a prince and a boxer who is probably good at boxing? I mean, yeah. get it in when you can. That's great. But, like, you know, <laughs> eventually you got you to Jesus, pick who you want to be with. You know what I mean? You Man, you're going to be a great dad someday, Pete. Yep. <laughs> hey, hey, kid, get it in when you can. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so back on where that we're coming to the end here. Um, she, uh, Josie gets the Apollo nod, uh, at the end of the show. Um, guy and Katie are talking and, uh, he basically offers her an intern, an apprenticeship, uh, working with him, which is again, uh, definitely going to develop into a relationship. Yeah. And yep. then, uh, so that stuff's fun. Then we get this like very intense, serious cliffhanger. Jorge and Bernie, yeah. um, their relationship going super well. Um, they're out on the street. They're making out. It had been set up earlier in the episode that there's been uh, people beating up, uh, pe- beating up people who they think are gay on the street randomly. Yeah. Um, and uh, as soon as we saw them on the press up against the um, the gate of the yeah. uh, the store, there, I was like, oh no. And this was it was such a dark end of the show, and they did it in such a way that was even scarier with the spider legs in the shadow. Yeah. Uh, also, like, those it's... gates are really dirty. Like, you shouldn't lean up against those things and make out. Like, if you got a jack on or something, wow. lean up against that, it's going to be a different color when you get off that thing. That's, <laughs> Pete, it's, Pete really with the, the real nice. take, the realist yeah. take. Yeah, don't worry about these guys getting beaten up and being in trouble. They're going to get very dirty. Uh, yeah. The Yeah, it, it's funny. They're kind of, it's sort of a very similar structure to like the Riverdale musical episodes where they're mostly cheery and musical and at the end something awful happens. Uh, and it's sort of the same thing here where despite dealing with, like we were talking about earlier, despite dealing with a lot of uh, relationship drama, ultimately That's it's weird very, that you bring that up. 
Is it the same showrunner or something? Is that why they're similar? No, it's just two shows that I watch that I like. They're completely unrelated and in separate universes. Uh, But yeah, so uh, here, same sort of thing. We get something very dark at the end, which I was surprised about. So there you go. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, Do we want to, before we wrap up here, do we want to take a look at any of, uh, there's a couple of comments on YouTube. People are asking some questions here. Uh, We got Aris9... 10 says thoughts on Alex Cabot doesn't seem to have any redeeming qualities. Feels like he has the right last name, but no real talent or wisdom as a producer. Do you think the Cabots will last past season one? Ooh, what do you think Ooh. about that? Um, I feel like they will. The, I, the show's really slow playing Alex. I think he seems like someone who he seems very nice, but he's only made mistakes. And if they're going to make this relationship a thing, which it seems like they are, Josie's does seem to like him that I feel like he has to have some wins here by the end of the season, and then uh, I think he will continue on. Yeah. Uh, Pete? Yeah, I mean, they've worked really hard to keep them uh, a part of what's going on. I don't think we're going to get rid of them anytime soon. Although, when that question was proposed, I really did fall in love with that idea of like, yeah, if we get the evil uh, step sleeping sister brother thing out of the show that would be a big burden off my shoulders oh yeah this has been very hard for you i, I think is. the cabots the cabots <laughs> have I, been it, this show started in such a nice fun great place it was like my low stress show i watched this show it was just so great fun take on new york and now with there's brothers and sisters sleeping together I don't know who to root for. It's all cats and up. dogs <laughs> living together. Mass hysteria. Uh, one other one. This is from uh, Nelson Martinez. Ko versus Archie. Ooh. And this, in what way? This Boxing? is actually. This is coming up. Uh, they're doing this on Riverdale. Is Ko Kelly is going to guest star, and he's going to going to box him. He's going to box awesome. Archie. Yeah, that's really <laughs> happening. I don't know what episodes is happening in, but there's definitely been a bunch of behind the scenes things of KO up in, oh my God, what is it? The El Royale, the gym in Riverdale. Yes. Uh, so there could be a little bit of a crossover thing there. But what do you think? Let, let's do it in terms of like boyfriend or character status. KO or Archie? Who's better? As a boyfriend? Yeah. I think K- KO, KO is a perfect man. Yeah, KO yes. is a yeah, KO. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I feel right, like and Archie's and a, a better at, boxer though. At, yeah, well, really. Yeah, he's definitely been through more things, but KO he looks fought like a bear a, man and he lived. <laughs> he did. We he haven't seen KO fight at all. We've seen the aftermath of KO fighting, but we haven't seen him fighting. So here's the thing: we'll see. K- but uh, KO looks like a boxer, and Archie looks like um, like a surfer, maybe. He's like a surfer sure. who doesn't actually go on the board. He just hangs out at the beach. Mm. Oh, come on, man. Classic come slam. Uh, we haven't done this for a couple of episodes, but I do want to end with a, a New York experience here. I know we've talked about a bunch of them, but... You just uh, want to open your book again. No, I really <laughs> don't. Uh, but I do want to ask about like your best uh, Broadway memory, like going to Broadway memory. Ooh, good. I, I can start off so you guys can have time to think. This is the one that I always think about is like when I was a kid, I went to Into the Woods with my parents. And you they went got tickets. Just into the Woods with your parents? I went Into the Woods with my parents. And they were like, stay here. Like Here's a, a day's story. worth of food. And they you never live came here back. now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my sister and I would continue to go through the woods and we encountered a candy house. Uh, Ooh, don't go no. in. 
Don't go We went in. to see the musical Into the Woods by Stephen Sondheim. Um, Thank you. And we ended up That's with tickets. That's a big difference in the structure of your sentence. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> thanks. Teacher. Uh, yeah, we haven't mentioned that uh, Pete is my editor. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. uh, so we had tickets to the front row, and the entire time... My brother and I, we were like little kids. The cast kept interacting with us in the front row. Like when the uh, sisters, uh, Cinderella sisters get blinded in the first act, when everybody's walking along the front of the stage, they're tapping with their canes and like they tap them in our laps and they kept, the wolf kept looking at us and everything. It was just great. Like it was just a great Broadway, lovely for a kid Broadway experience. It was perfect. Yes, Pete, Pete. you're next. Okay. Uh, I've mentioned this before on one of our podcasts. I don't know which one we do too many. Uh, But uh, I got to see the Phantom of the Opera and the gloriously restored Pantages Theater by Phantom by Phone at the beautiful (laughs) Pantages Theater in Toronto, Canada. That's right. Toronto, Canada. And uh, it was great because uh, me and my brother, the whole drive up, we were like, this is going to suck. Fuck this whole thing. We got to go see a goddamn opera. This is going to be so boring. And then we got there, and right from the part where the chandelier almost fell on us, uh, we were completely enthralled, and it was so much fun. And the and the stage like opened up, and people fell, and all this magical stuff happened. And then the whole ride back, we just kept listening to the soundtrack on loop, uh, over and over nah. again. And you were like, like it's like Batman, but he sings too. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love him. <laughs> Do you have one, Justin? Do you have a favorite um, Broadway experience? Let's see. Um, a, I guess a couple of them. Uh, my wife um, is a singer. She was on Broadway in um, the uh, Tale of Two Cities, which is a very uh, a Ooh, show that didn't man. run for very long. But um, that was very cool to see her perform up there. Um we saw a, let's see, uh, recently we saw a performance of The Lion King and we brought our daughter who was uh, like, did like just turned three at the time. And we were like, huh, this is real dicey. She's maybe not going to go for this. And then she did. She was really into it. And um, my wife knew one of the actors. So we got to go backstage. She got to hold the actual baby Simba from the show. Aww. So that was very cool. And, and then she just broke it in half, right? Shat tore the arm off. Now there's one <laughs> arm missing from Simba. And they explain it in the show. It's fine. And that show, honestly, I'd, I'd never seen it. And then we saw it last year. And man, it was when all the animals come out, really got you. Even though it's a little, it's an old, the show feels a little old. The theater isn't made like that anymore, but um, it was good. And then I saw, like, we saw Fun Home uh, on Broadway, saw Pillow Man, seen so many great shows. Uh, On my birthday, my brother came up to visit uh, and brought his kids to go see Lion King. And it was hilarious because my brother has three kids. And the youngest, uh, you know, when uh, Mufasa dies, spoiler. Uh, what? Fuck, dude. Yeah, I know. Jesus, uh, come on, Pete. Everybody in the whole audience gets really quiet and sad. And then Charlie, who's like, I don't want to say two or three, yells out, oh, he dead. And then everybody started <laughs> cracking up. It was wow. so funny. Yeah. yeah. Here's a... Uh, here's a story. I went to see a, a, a show. I don't remember what show it was, actually. Um, 
it might have actually been that Ed Harris show, the Taking Side show. Uh, and I went to see it, and uh, the entire time people were like buzzing in the audience, and they were so excited, and I didn't understand why. And I went to the bathroom, uh, used the bathroom, came back, and my parents were like, did you see him there? Did you see them? And I was like, who are you talking about? And they were like, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey was here. And everybody was so excited about Kevin Spacey. Uh, uh, he used the urinal right next to me in the bathroom, my brother told me later. And that has haunted me for my entire wow. life since. Oh, my God. With good reason. You yeah. shouldn't have shared that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, I went to see The King and I with Lou Diamond Phillips in it. Oh, Lou. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he was the king. He played the king. I oh, guy makes Diamond sense. Phillips. Yeah, which is really cool. He didn't play I? <laughs> no. No, that Seriously, was Donna you don't Murphy. have cats in there? That whole thing is a waste if you don't have cats in there. It, cats really is pushing. a terrible show. What is your thing? What are you odd about, Pete? How do you I have cats? Uh, I will say um, on a, a slight tangent uh, to this musical conversation, the way you're oh, yeah. lit, the way <laughs> no, you're no, lit. No, no, we're very focused on this podcast, so please the way keep it to the topic. Yeah. <laughs> the way you're lit and framed, Pete, you look like a fourth singer in the uh, music video for Let's Make It All for One and All for Love from the uh, 1990s movie um, Three Musketeers featuring Brian <laughs> Adams. That's how you look right now. Very specific. I thought oh, you wow. were going to say I kind of look like a... Uh, a shitty stand-up comedian's headshot, like. Oh, that too. Yes. Oh that's yeah. <laughs> kind of. Oh wow! You froze for a second. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Well, if you enjoy these visual ad ticks, be sure to support our audio podcast at patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we're not currently doing a live show Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the Pit Loft. Uh, at some point, that will resume. But for the time being, we are still doing a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m., uh, both to Crowdcast and simulcast to YouTube, and then the podcast goes up later after that. Uh, so definitely check out there. Uh, we'll have info at comicbookclublive.com. You can check us out socially at Riverdale After on Twitter, Riverdale Dark on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. And remember, might be hard to dream right now, but if you go to sleep, you're definitely going to have some dreams. You just might not remember them. <laughs> oh, my God. That's haunting right there. Wow. <laughs>